0: I want you to increase your faith with me this morning as we continue to move into the fear of God. This is the season where God is training his people to fear him. You see, we've lost the reverence for the things of God. And I told you in times gone by, I remember being in my grandparents' home, waking up on a Sunday morning. It just wasn't no talking. Only conversation I had was, pass me the butter. It was a reverence and everything under the roof got up and went to church. There was a reverence, whether you came in late or or it don't matter where you was going or where you was leaving, God was preeminent in your life. And when God wants to get our attention, he simply drives things up and holds things back. So you can no longer maneuver or go under your own strength or with your little hookups. And the only power or the authority that you will have will be through his name. And so we need to understand what God is doing in this downturn. But I've told you I don't look at it as a downturn in the kingdom of God or the economy of God. It's an upturn. It is an upturn because God is touching the hearts of his people. Now, if you have your Bibles, go back with me to Genesis chapter 22, the book of beginnings. The book of beginnings. Hallelujah to Jesus. Genesis chapter 22. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 11. You know, sometimes in life, your enemies will take you somewhere, your friends will never take you. Now, I just heard that in the spirit. Your enemies will take you somewhere where your friends will never take you. And so, don't you have a negative outlook? about what is transpiring, as long as you know God, you will end up in a place where you didn't decide to go, but God used the enemy to get you there. You see, that's why I tell you, when you find a Judas in your life, sometimes you need to celebrate your Judas, because if it were not for Judas, Christ could not have been pointed out. He couldn't have gotten to the cross to shed his blood for our sins. Don't curse your Judas. The Bible says give thanks to all things. Judas and Absalom, traitors. You know, thank God for them. You know, David was going to be on the throne as a king, and so was Jesus. King of kings. But thank God for the traitors. Some of y'all are trying to be depressed because somebody gun betrayed you, gun lied to you, didn't hold up the end of the bargain, and you're going to walk around moping. Your enemies will take you places. Your friends will never take you. Because it opens your eyes to see life in a bigger light. Now, Genesis chapter 22. Let me begin reading at verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Instead of his son. But what I want to lift out of this text, and in verse 12, is what God said. First, an angel was speaking. An angel. An angel was talking to him. But look down in verse 12, in in part B, it says, I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son. You see, a promise. Abraham was willing to give up a promise because he feared God. And God, before he elevates you to the next level, Abraham's destiny was not over yet. It was really just beginning because he was receiving a promise from God. He had received a son, a covenant son that he was willing to offer up as a sacrifice. Now, God did not step in until he saw what was in Abraham's heart. Let me say it again. God did not step in Until he saw what was in Abraham's heart. That's why I tell you, God is not mocked. Be not deceived. You cannot have the appearance of godliness and deny the power thereof. You see, so often we'll put on the outward appearance that I'm a believer. I'm changing my life. I'm going to show up in all the right places and say the right things. And so that the world will think that I'm a follower or a believer of Christ. But God is not impressed by our emotions, by our antics. You see, that's why even his servant Abraham, who was the father of faith, he didn't even take him at his word. He waited until he took his only son and laid him on an altar and got ready to pull back the dagger to offer his son up. Then he said, wait a minute. He said, now I see what's in your heart. You see, I hear what you've been saying. See, I know your history. You said some things before you didn't keep your word. You see, I know. See, I, 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 I know where you came from, Abraham. See, I realize your family lineage. And I understand that, 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 that you came from a history of, of pagans. And I, I remember when you was back in, in, in Ur of Chaldees. I remember. Yet you're my friend, but yet I still remember. And so God will try you before he elevates you. And the way that he does it is to make sure that there is a genuine fear or reverence for him. You see, I have to fear God because fear is the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of wisdom. Fear. The basic element of fear. It's amazing what you won't do when somebody's standing there with a gun pulled on you. It's amazing what you will do when somebody got a gun pulled on you. Because fear... It's the ultimate motivator. You know, we can go back and look at our history and, 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 and how we uh, used to be so afraid of, of, of ghosts. I go back to the country, and I got some relatives. You mentioned ghosts or haints or, or spooks, whatever you want to call them, and now and, and, and you want to go in the neighborhood. I heard that that house was haunted. I remember when, you know, Mr. Johnson used to live down in that house, and uh, they found him down there, and they still seen him walking around. You can. I couldn't even get relatives to walk by the street because fear, you see, fear is a motivator. Fear will get you to do what you cannot do with willpower. See, you can pick up all of your little self-help books and tapes and CDs. I'm not against supplemental materials to increase you. See how many times you recited things over and you still went back. You still weren't faithful to what you were going to do. You still procrastinated. You still kept putting things off. But fear. It's the highest form of motivation. You see, you can make somebody scared, they'll run through a wall. They'll run through a wall. And so some of y'all have been a little bit hard-headed. So God needs to bring some fear to your life. That's why you hear all of these great conversions when they think they're on their deathbed. You go to the hospital and visit them, and they got the Bible land on their chest. Lord, if you raise me up, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. I ain't going to miss one day of service. I'm going to pray every day, Lord. Fear will make them confess things and say things that realign their life. And that's why some of the things are coming upon you now. You could not do it at your own word. And so God is putting some fear in America. You see, America need not turn to patriotism. It needs to turn to God. It needs to turn to God. And God is going to use fear in America to drive his people. And I believe that every time there is a famine or a lack that's in the land, God used fear of the people to drive them in the house. It's a motivator. It's the ultimate motivator so that you will learn some sense. So that you will learn some sense. now. Go with me. Go with me over to Jonah. Glory to God. You can find Jonah. The book of Jonah. I, I, I want to take you back there. Because it is fear that moves you. And prophetically, some of y'all are setting on the edge. You're setting on the edge. You're using all the strength that you can conjure up to hold on and not go back to your old lifestyle. Not go back to your bad habits. You're using everything that you got. But God says, I'm going to help you out. I'm sending something that will cause fear in your heart where you will turn to me and seek me often. Some of you all get ready to gain a prayer life that you never dreamed about because God is going to drive you to pray. He's going to drive you into his presence. He needs you there. Jonah, the book of Jonah, chapter one, the book of Jonah, chapter one. Jonah, glory to God. I'm going to begin a reading. Now, we know the story of Jonah. I'm going to begin reading uh, at, at verse 4. But I want to show you something. I want to reiterate this. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares and were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the size of the ship. And he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is it, thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people are thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of the heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Which has made the sea and the dry land. Now, what I want you to see was Jonah replied and said that I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. And I fear the Lord. Now, it took him a minute to come back to the understanding that he feared God because he was disobedient. You see, Jonah had took on what we call being a little bit of idolatry. He had became a little God unto himself. You see, that's the danger we have with the wisdom that we have acquired in the world where we think we know better than God. Because God had told Jonah, go down to Nineveh. And tell them to turn, to repent. But Jonah, because of his skill, his education, his background, him being a prophet, took it upon himself. And he made the call. He thought about it. He received the word of the Lord. He received instruction from God. And he took it upon himself. And he said, I know them people down in Nineveh. They ain't going to change. Last time I was there, they were cutting the food. They were eating, drinking, and being merry. And then I sent a word, and they changed just for a little while. And then the Lord sent me back down there again, and I told them to change. And they changed just for a little while. And then they start cutting the fool again. And then when God told them to go back a third time, Jonah just forget them people. I know they ain't going to change. And so he got in the seat of the judge. And the Bible says, don't you sit in that seat. That's why we're not called to judge those who are not walking on the same level that you're walking on and God is driving people into the church of house, in the house of God. Don't turn your nose down at people who are just coming to Christ. There is such a harvest that is coming into the household of God and they're not going to dress like you. They're not going to look like you. They're not going to talk like you. They're not going to have the same old church calisthenics that you have. They're just happy to be in the house of God. And we can't be so eager to try to make them just like us. And that will be a sin within itself. The world don't need another church person. It needs somebody coming out of the street that's got a little bit of fire, a little bit of desire, don't even care about their history. They were just walking in sin yesterday, but now they got Jesus and they have a new zeal. those are the ones that will walk with me in the street. They ain't ashamed, they will testify on the street. Last week I was a prostitute, but today I'm a lady of virtue. I was selling drugs last month, but look, Jesus is real. I've had an experience and sometimes we get in church for a while. We get a little bit uppity and forget our testimony. We don't want to tell nobody who we used to be and know you ain't been living like that all the days of your life. If, if it would go back and be told all the places that you're going to sleep and all the stuff that you're going drink and all the stuff that you're going smoke, the books couldn't tell it all. You see, we can't take on the spirit of a Jonah. See, God was still speaking to him, but he thought he knew better than God. How often God has given you instruction and then you thought about it. I think I'll do it this way anyhow, as if God don't know the best way. And and Jonah wouldn't go. He wouldn't go, and so he ran. And we have a population of people right now who are running. They're getting on boats and trying to go to a far land. They're running from the word of God and They know where they need to be. They know what they need to correct. They know what they need to change. They know what they need to rearrange in their life. But they're running from a word. When a person is wrong, they're the first one to know it. And they're running from a word. And Jonah went and got with some people. And the people in the boat, they didn't even know God because they call upon their own gods. They call upon their own gods. And then they said, there's somebody else here somewhere. Because this God is not answering. Because we still about to go down. And so there is Jonah down in the bottom of the boat, sleeping. How many of you ever went to sleep on God? Just went to sleep on him. You just go through a period of absentee. Can't be found. Can't be located. Have you heard from them? No. Have you seen them? No. Just went in the bottom of the boat and went to sleep somewhere, and everybody is calling your name and looking for you. But you're headed for a storm. You're headed for a storm. And the people on the boat, after they threw everything off, I, I love the line of questioning that they brought to Jonah. Then they said unto him in verse 8, they said, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? In other words, who's sending this? Who is it that you in relationship with? Who do you know that's causing this thing to come upon us? You see, you're in cahoots with somebody that we don't know because we to tried to call upon the people we know and nothing didn't change. You see, you can get away from God and get into a place and try to operate beneath the privilege that God has given you. And yet because of your destiny, he will cause hell to break loose right there. And you call yourself running into a bad relationship, into a bad situation, into the wrong business, into the wrong occupation, into the wrong geographic location. You call yourself running over there out of the will of God, and God calls everything over there to go haywire. And even the people you're trying to cut the fool will begin to ask, how you been living this? what, what's, what's wrong with your history, your lineage, your family? Why is that? You know, I was all right till you came over here. You know, I need to check out your background. You got some luggage I don't even know about. And and so Jonah down in the bottom of the boat, sleeping. And it says, what is thine occupation? Where did you come from? Where is your country? And of what people are you? That's very prophetic for your life today. It's the same question God asked Adam back in the Garden of Eden. Adam, where art thou? And this, and, 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 and this mariner on this boat is asking basically the same question. He says, look, what's your occupation? What kind of work do you do? I need to know something because uh, I've had people on this boat before and none of this has ever happened. I know you do something very seriously. I, I know you're in cahoots with somebody that's got some power or some authority because we ain't never experienced anything like this. Where do you come from? Where is your country, and what people are thou? Who are your people? How did your mom and daddy raise you? How did your grandparents raise you? Who are your people? And I love he could not lie. That's where he had to stop. He says, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of the heaven, which has made the sea we're in and the dry land. You see, it took a line of questioning for him to come back to his senses. You see, you can only be separated from God when you drop your identity. You see, you can't run and do things uh, that are sinful and be saying at the same time, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. You see, when, you know, when you're in the back room with the lights off, ain't nobody saying I'm a child of God. You know, when you're out trying to do your ain't nobody saying I'm a Christian. You drop your identity to operate in sin. Because sin is, is a, it's a form of insanity, it's temporary separation from God. And so you have to separate yourself from God in order to participate in sin. That's why people run and hide and, 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 and they think they're moving from God as if God can't see. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Bible says his eyes look to and fro. Glory to God. You can't run from God. And he says, and I fear God. That's what I wanted you to see. And I fear God. See, when you fear God, when you're trying to cut the food, God will bring you right back. You'll be on a short leash. That's why the scripture says, raise a child up in the way that they should go. And when they get old, they won't depart from it because they're on a leash. There was fear placed in their heart from an early age. That's why you need to teach your children to fear God. Because they're going to go and try it under their own carnal thought and mind. They're going to use their own logic, their own experience. They're going to use peer pressure, but it's going to take the fear of God to make them come out of the crowd when the others are still running. You see, it's going to be the fear of God that will cause them to come back in. But if you don't fear God and have not instilled any fear in God, the only thing that you've given them is logic and word. Children will not do what you say but what you do. What you do is what they will do. And, and, and I've counseled so many people. Well, I told them the right thing to do. I showed them uh, h- how to do it, and I, I wrote it down, and I've been telling them, and then they come to find out what you've been doing. And when it all boils down, the kids have seen exactly what mama and daddy have been doing. Let me tell you a principle. A child loves you so much that they will disobey you. To be just like you. Your daughter and your son, they love you so much. They love who you are. I don't care what kind of sin you participate in. They love you so much. They are willing to be chastised just to be like you. Just to be like you. And then you're standing around. I taught them right, but they want to be like you. They don't want to be what you teach. They love you that much. They watch you get up. They watch you go out. I want to be like my daddy. I want to be like my mom. And you can be teaching one thing and living another way. And they can't wait to get to live just like you. They can't wait to live just like you. They might act right for a while, but as soon as they get out the door, they're going to live just like mama. They're going to live just like daddy because they love you and you think they're just evil. That's how much they love you. They're willing to be beat just to be like you. It's not a love. You see because your children they are watching you now go with me over to ezekiel chapter thirty six. ezekiel chapter 36. oh we get ready to get to the good stuff y'all hold on the fear of god i'm telling you it is so relevant to where we are i've seen people write down 10-step programs what they're going to do how they're going to manage their life where they're going to go and past i seem to fail i tried it i started it for uh, for a few weeks and i fell off the wagon I started it again last year. I'm, I'm just tired. I think I just give up. I'm going to procrastinate it. I started a diet. I put it off. And, I, you know, I said I'm going to stop procrastinating. And now I'm putting everything off again. Because you cannot use strength of your body to become what God has called you to become. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he will never work himself out of your life. He wants you to realize you can't do nothing so that you can depend on him, so that you will call upon him. So that you will trust him that's why he will let you fail under your own strength don't you give up he wants you to call upon his name apart from him you can do nothing now ezekiel chapter 36 i'm sorry chapter 26. now the season that we're in with the turning of the uh, uh, of the economy and the country i wanted you to see that god will wait uh, uh, um in in genesis uh with abraham he will wait to see what's in your heart that's the first thing god will do he will wait to see what's in your heart. He knows what you're confessing already. It's good to confess it. It's good to confess it and believe it. And, and, but God will wait. He won't know what's in your heart. He's a discerner of the heart. You know, that's why women always talk to men uh, uh, and, and want to find out, Do is, is, am I really in his heart? See, you see, I know he say he loved me. But I want to really know, am I in his heart? So I'm going to test him for a while. Call, call yourself going to test him. I'm going to try this and see what he's going to do. And say so he's taking an exam and he don't even know it. Because you hear what he's saying. That's the only reason you're fooling with him. Because you hear what he's saying. He already told you how wonderful you look by how he want to spend all this time with you and Y'all got a future together and a life together. You already gonna heard all that, but yet you ain't moving. See, you got him in a test because you wanna see if it's in his heart. You see, and God the same way. You coming in here, praise God, oh God Jesus, I love you with my whole heart. God, I said that's cool. That's a good start. You in the house, but I'm gonna test you. Or you to see what's in your heart, he told the children of Israel, and, and he kept them going around all that time to see what was in their heart. What was in their heart? Now, Ezekiel chapter uh, 36, verse 26. I'll just check in and see what y'all paying attention. My God, y- y- y'all Bible scholars, glory to God! Y'all awake this morning? Hey, man, I can't check y'all out no more at night hey man ezekiel chapter 36 i, I tell you what ezekiel uh, my God y'all got it wrong ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 i'm tell all right 36 26 all right 36 26 all we there Let me reel y'all back in (laughs) if I lose some of y'all. All All right, Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, the scripture says, a new heart also will I give you. You see, God gives the heart. He says, a new heart I will give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your father. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine. Upon you. You see, what I love about the, what, the prophecy of Ezekiel, what he says, Father, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You see, he will bring us to a point where we have no control. Well, there is no control. And God begins to apply external pressure on your life, on your family, on your occupation, your finances, because the season is now for you to get in your right place. There have never been such a time. When God is calling his people to walk in his statutes, See, he winked at your ways in sundry times. But now God has called the time for men to repent everywhere. This is not yesteryear's God. The time has sped up. We have moved into the third dimension of God. We are a third day church. We're walking in the spirit now. We're walking in the spirit. And that's why it says, I will. It says nothing about you. See all these eyes? I will give you a new spirit. I will put it within you. I will take away your stony heart. I will give you a heart of flesh. It's I. He's getting ready to throw you down and put it in you. Because if you're called to do something for God, now is the time. Now is the time for you to move in it. And don't wait for God to come to move you into your place through tribulation and persecution. Come by revelation. It's a lot easier if the word is revealed to you and you hear it and you're listening and you move into it. He says, I'm going to do it. He said, I'm going to put my spirit within you. I'm going to cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgment. He said, I'm going to cause you to walk and you're going to keep them. Now, you, most of you realize that you have not kept some of them in times gone by. And so he's saying you're going to keep them this time. That means he's going to have a little switch. You see, fear will cause you to stay in line, and an immediate judgment will keep you in line. You see, that's the deception of the enemy. You can participate in something that's out of the way, and you might not see an immediate recompense for it. You do it a few times, nothing happens. A few more weeks, you try it again. ain't anyway, nothing happen. I'm pretty comfortable out here. Yet I'm supposed to be at my base with God, and, and you're hanging around. Next thing you get further and further, then all of a sudden, bam! Something hits you, whether it be in your body, in your finances, in your family. Next thing you know, here you're trying to make it back to the base. Because you left it. But it took a while for you to get there. But I'm telling you, prophetically, God is not going to let you take a step off this time. It's a new day in God. When you step away this time, it's going to be bam. Yep, That day is gone. I come to tell you so you don't get hit upside the head. That day is gone. But but the reason he is doing it, I told you, it's an upturn for the body of believers. The world might be going down. The stock market might be going. The value of things might be going down in the world. But God will increase the kingdom in the time of a famine or the time of lack. He increases the kingdom and he causes the transfer in a time of lack. And so that's why I tell you to celebrate. Now, look at verse 29. It says this. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. He says, that unclean mess you've been in, I'm going to save you from it. Now, if you want to wait on me to come knock on your door, or you can put it away and clean it up, but I'm going to save you from it. Because if if remember, the scripture says in John 15, he chose you. You didn't choose him and called you with a holy, holy and that you should bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. You didn't choose God. You didn't come on your own. You didn't just casually come into the house of God because you were so wise. Your flesh is contrary to God. But it's the spirit man that is renewed day by day that God will pull on, and you're here because he chose you and he called you, because the word says no man, no woman come to Christ unless he Draws them, and so God has been drawing you. And the reason you're here, He draws you. And if He draws you here, that means He has something prophetic for you to do, whether you're in agreement with it or not, whether you like it or not. It is not even up to you. It's all about. God and his promises and his plans. And so get over what people think about you. Get over what they think about your occupation, your giftings, and your abilities. If God gave it to you, it's going to work and benefit the kingdom. You'll be proud of the gifts and the talents that God has bestowed upon you. He gave them to you. And he's calling them forward. He's calling them. You ain't coming on your own accord. You ain't that good. Oh, it's all about him. But look what he says, 29, and we'll, he says, I will call for the corn, what I want to get to. He says, when I get you in your place, you see, in this downturn, when things are, uh, 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 are being rocked to and fro, upside down, he says that uh, 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 during the famine, he says, just like I'm going to put my spirit in you, just like I'm going to give you a new heart, he says, I'm going to call for the corn. You see, the corn represents the wealth. It's the grain. If you had grain back in that day, you were wealthy. If you had wheat in, 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 in your barns, you were wealthy. Remember when Joseph store, stored up all of the corn? He had all the grains for the time of famine? It was God's people that had the, uh, the, the reserve. It was because of Joseph that there was a land of Goshen, a place that was set aside For the increase, the Bible says that he's going to call for it. It's not going to be because of who you know, what you know, what you've been planning. He says, I'm going to call for the corn when these things take place. I'm going to call for it. I'm going to increase it. It's not because of the prognosticators. It's not because of the stock market and the Federal Reserve and they put money into the market and they lowered the interest rates. It's not because of a bailout plan. He says, I'm going to call. For the corn. And that's why the bailout has not worked. They're still laying people off. People are still losing their homes. It has nothing to do with the power of the government. It has everything to do with God calling for the corn. There shall be a calling for the corn as soon as we get in our right place. He can't call for it if you don't have anybody to entrust it to. There needs to be a place for transference. He's not going to put the new wine in old wine skins. You're still the same way and you're waiting on a transverse to come in your life. You can quote the scripture all day and night. Nothing is being transferred. I have to renew my spirit. I need a clean heart. I need to put away the things that I know that is not right in my life. And then he says, I'm going to call for the corn. I'm calling for it. It might be a drought in that land. But in your backyard, the corn shall come up. Their business might be dying. But in your business, your business shall flourish and it shall multiply a hundredfold. Even if everybody else is going out of business, yours shall come forth if you are righteous in its sight. My God, we have to come back to a place of fear of the living God. Fear. He's calling for the corn. Jesus is going to do it. Some of y'all are so excited about what man is speaking now. But you need to be excited about what God is speaking. He's the author and the finisher. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Psalm chapter 34. Go with me. You are the people. You are the generation. Psalm 34. I want you to put your eyes on something. God loves you so much. You are precious in his sight. You are not disqualified. Don't think you are disqualified because of your history. You are a prime candidate. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy. Psalms 34 and in verse 8, I'm begin reading. And the word of the Lord reads, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. Oh, let me say that again. There is no want to them that fear him. And that's why he must bring you back to a place of fear. If you want the provisions of God, you have to fear him. You cannot continue living your life any kind of Way and tell me you have fear of God. If, if, if you feared Him, you will think about what you say. If you feared Him, you will think about where you go. If you feared Him, you will think about what you put your eyes on. If you feared Him, you will think about who you walk with, and who you stand with, and who you lay with, if you feared Him. Oh, if you feared Him. And the reason that there is lack in the house, there is no fear in the house. I've read this word and I take him at his word. I will take him at his word. He said, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, them that have been called out, them that are set aside, them that are anointed. It says, oh, fear the Lord, for there is no want. There is no want to them that fear him. If there is lack in your life, you evaluate yourself today. You evaluate yourself and say, I need to fear God in this area. I need to fear him. You know, I, 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 I've been a little bit casual with this thing. I need to fear him. There is no want to them that fear God. No want. But it goes on to say, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Any good thing. It says, come ye, children, hearken unto me. Oh, here's the proverbial word right here. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He says, you come around me. I'm going to teach you to fear me. Just like I'm going to put my spirit, because you're not going to fear me on your own. God realized you're not going to fear him on your own. And that's why so many of the tragedies that we think in life must take place. Because God says, I'm going to teach you to fear me. And to be taught something is a process. It's repetition. Because most of us don't get it the first time. It's repetition. That's what learning is. Repetition. Instruction till learning occurs. Repetition. Repetition. He says, I'm going to teach it to you. And so get ready. That's why I say examine your life. And you put your life in order. You change your vocabulary. You change your association. You change your motives. And you learn to walk in love and to walk in patience preferring one over another and stop competing with your brother or over over little petty stuff. I'm telling you, when you become Christ-like, it's more division in the house of God over pettiness. And you allow the enemy to use that to make you sit down or stay away from church. Now, the reason I ain't going back over there, too many devils in the church. Well, I'd rather be in the church with a few devils than to be in the world with all of them. But he's going to teach you. God is going to teach you to fear him. We don't know exactly what he is going to do. We don't know exactly how he's going to do it. But we realize that when he teaches us to fear him, it will bring us to a new level of authority. It will give us a new level of knowledge. It will also give us a new level of responsibility. You cannot receive anything from God without obtaining a new level of responsibility. I must act responsible with God with what God has entrusted me with. That's why many of us have not received great things in life, because we would do with them the same thing we are doing with what we have right now. Too many people say, if I had a million, this is what I would do. You won't do it with 10,000. You're not going to do it with a million. And remember, God looks on your heart. He's going to try your heart. Hear what you're saying. But out of the heart comes the issues of life. And that's why he waits to give you a new heart. He waits to give you a new spirit. And then your windfall will come. Because then you will appropriate it in the right places. Everything that God entrusts you with, it is earmarked for the kingdom to impact it in one way or another. Take ye first the kingdom of God in all of its righteousness. And so I want you to know today, any time that you're trusted in God, there is unanswered questions. You're not going to get all the answers. You're going to have to move at his word, just like Abraham took him at his word. He didn't know God had a ram in the thicket. He went at the word of God. We cannot be like Jonah, who received the word and then ran the opposite direction, because he knew, he thought he knew better than God. You see, Abraham went in faith and trusted God. And so that's what the enemy will try to use to keep you from coming into your destiny. How are you going to do this? How this going to work out? It ain't never worked that way before. But see, to go beyond faith, it's going to go into trust. Faith is believing that he is. Trust is believing he's going to do what he said. Trust, so many people in the church, they have faith, but they have no trust. There is no trust, and you're not going to have God's best until you trust him and take him at his word. Take him at his word. Take him at his word. And what I want to do today, we're moving into our third year. And many of us, it's our prophetic year. It's the next level of our life. It's where we have been confirmed as a body of believers. Now we're going in to the resurrected life of God. So you have a death, a burial, and a resurrection. He's the truth, the life, and the Wait, there is a movement that must take place. There is a movement where I say yes to God. God, I realize what you spoke to me. I fear you today, and I'm going to do it. Lord, I realize what you've been saying to me over the last months and over the last weeks. Some of the things I'm saying to you today, it's not the first time you're hearing it. I'm simply confirming what God has already been saying in your spirit. Because before God does anything, he brings conviction in your heart. For realignment, rearrangement. And if you don't hear the conviction, he sends a prophetic voice to you. And if you cannot hear the prophetic voice, he brings judgment in your life. And so I pray you hear the conforming word today. That it's time now for us to say, Lord, I'm saying yes to the new way. I'm putting away all the things that I used to do that I know I shouldn't be doing. It does not matter what man thinks or what women think or children. It's all about me and you today, God. I'm ready. Send the corn. I'm ready, God. You send it. I fear you. I'm not fearing man. And I'm not worrying about what man is going to say about me. I thank God for you. I'm not ashamed of the testimony that you've given me, God, because I realize it's the power unto salvation to him that believes. This ends message number 3302 by Frank Salters. To send this message, The Fear of the Lord, number 3302, to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 3302. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.